I am uh, excited to bring a message tonight. Before I do, though, I, um, I feel like I have, I, I do this occasionally, I don't do this that often, but I do it occasionally, where I give a message before my message, okay? So it's not going to be that long, but it's something during worship that I thought was important to share. So the, you get two messages tonight, lucky you. Um, so during worship, during the last song, um, about you know, Jesus and how beautiful he is and how glorious he is and how holy he is and, and just one look at Jesus, your face down on the ground and just one look, if we see him clearly, everything changes. And, <clears throat> excuse me, I don't know what happened to my voice. Um, I, what I wanted to communicate was for those who have not seen Jesus clearly or you feel stuck in the place of you want him, but something's not clicking, you're struggling, you feel like it should be easier or better, and you're just in this place of tension back and forth, wrestling with God in a sense, like Jacob. And I felt like I was supposed to share that to encounter Jesus, you have to pass through fear. That at times we might think that it should be easier, and that I should feel more peace, and that I should feel a certain way before it starts getting easier, that it should be easy to be easier, if that makes sense. But God actually, it's the opposite in the sense that God actually desires us to face our fears and to embrace our fears, and then where you see Jesus is when you bring your fears to him. You see, he's not going to show himself to you in a, outside of reality. You see, he doesn't show up in the heavens. He showed up on earth in a body. And in a similar fashion, your life will become easier not when you ignore your fears when you come to him, but to actually pass through the fears and to have faith that God is there. And it's kind of like that song in the, in the first song, King of My Heart. It says, you're never going to let me down. Some of us are afraid to even to consider that God will let us down. But I felt like really pointedly that some of you were supposed to go there in your mind of what if God does let me down. And that fear of God letting you down is the place where Jesus will actually encounter you. And so my encouragement is, if you feel stuck, don't, run, don't hide and suppress your fears Embrace them in the presence of God, in faith, in consistency, in perseverance. And God is faithful. If you draw near to God, he will draw near to you. Okay? Don't lose hope. God is faithful. He will never let you down. Don't give up. Your life matters too much for you to give up. Your life matters too much. Is that okay? So everyone, that's the first message. Everyone say, okay, good job, and let's move on. Okay. So how many of you have a job? Good. Some of you are like, I'm in transition right now. I'm looking. I'm applying. <laughs> no, it's good. Um, we all work. If we're not working, maybe we're in college. Maybe we are in, in a legitimate like transition between jobs, and, and we're gonna we're looking for one. But tonight, I want to talk to you about work, jobs, paychecks. I want to talk to you about work. Sometimes preachers get accused of being too lofty and in the heavenlies, and they're not down-to-earth. This is a down-to-earth message. Because you go to work three, four, five times a week, 
This applies to all of our lives. So the main question I want to ask us tonight, it'll throw up on the screen, is who do we work for? If you remember, we're in a series called, or entitled Audience of One. Last week we talked about worship. Tonight we're talking about work. Having an audience of one when we work. And the question, who do we work for, is a question that we often ask ourselves. I asked it to maybe a few of you even tonight as we were talking, like, where do you work? Who are you working for? And we'll say, you know, I work for this company, that person. I work for this place. I work for this corporation, this franchise. I work for someone. And then we say, who's your boss? Oh, I hate my boss. I like my boss. I don't like my boss. My boss is all right. I'm smarter than my boss. If only I was the boss. We all have these opinions about our boss, you know? And we say we work for our boss. He gives us a performance evaluation. He's the one who controls our, our raise or he controls our, our strikes or our different um, disciplinary actions that we might have at our work. And we work for a boss. But what I want to show you that the scriptures teach that Christians teach that Christians should no longer work for people but should work for God. So the scriptures teach that. So if you have your Bibles, uh, you can go to Colossians 3. A very similar teaching is also, also in Ephesians 6, but I'm going to, going to stick with Ephesians 3 for tonight. And Colossians 3, yep, Colossians 3. Ephesians 6 has a similar teaching, but I'm going to stick with Colossians 3. So what I want to do is give an outline to the entire chapter, because I believe it sets it up really well, like the, the, the message portion about work and working unto God. So the first four verses of Colossians 3 kind of can be summed up in this outline. Seek the things that are above, that is what truly matters. So seek the things above, that's what truly matters. That's verse 1 through 4 of Colossians 3. Verse 5 through 11 we can be summed up by saying, put off the old self, the sin, and the old thinking. Everyone is equal in Christ. So that's the, the 5 through 11. That's the outline. Then we jump to verses 12 through 16. So it's put off the old self. Now put on the new self. Love, kindness, charity, unity, thankfulness. It lists all these things that we should put on as Christians. And then right after that, so think about it. Think heavenly thoughts. Put off old self. Put on new self. Now, verses 17 through 25, in every area of life, live before an audience of one. So I'm, I'm, I'm sharing in the context of Colossians 3 because I think it actually adds to its significance. It adds to the authority. It adds to the weight of what God is telling us. Think heavenly thoughts. Take off old thinking and sin nature. Put on new nature. That's all the heavenly pastoral, like crazy preachers who just speak in the heavenlies. And now he brings it right down to the level of application. What he's doing is he's testing if you get it. God is testing us if we understand verses 1 through 16. Because you might be able to teach or explain what verses 1 through 16 means. Verses 17 through 24 show whether you actually believe it. And he's going to give a list of areas of our life where we are to live before an audience of one and obey God instead of going with the worldly or cultural thinking and actions of their time. You guys ready? This is exciting. God, this is God's revelation to you. And if we would live this, our whole life would be changed. And I'm here to spur you on, kick you in the butt a little bit to say, let's go. And let's live this because your best life is on the other side of your obedience. Woo! 
Your best life is not when your problems get solved. It's when we come under the obedience of the scriptures and start living it out. That is your best life. Your best life is not when you get a boyfriend. Your best life is, is under the will of God, which is found in the scriptures. Amen, somebody. This is the joy of the Lord is found in the person of Jesus as he's revealed. So Colossians 3, let's read it, 17 through 25. Colossians 3, and whatever you do, in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. <clears throat> everything. Some of you are like, whoa, I was not ready for that. Okay. Everything. 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 God incarnate Jesus came to show that God is not a God of the boxes. He's not a God of the temple or the tabernacle. It was a temporary solution. God never wanted your Christian faith, your joy, your peace to be rooted in whether or not you could get to a church. His life for you was always meant to come where he would be with us in order that we might do everything in his name. Everything that means our work, that means our day-to-day -day jobs, our relationships at work, our mentality at work, our attitude at work. God is calling us not to perform better, but to see him correctly in order to receive it, in order that we anyway, walk on a journey with God to obey the scriptures. It is not me telling you to obey. It is me pointing you to Jesus so that you might come into relationship and walk with him in greater levels of obedience in our everyday life. So, verse 18. It gets right to the point. Wives, submit to your husbands as fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything. For this pleases the Lord. Some of y'all could have been saved from trouble if you had read that verse when you were 15. Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Verse 22. Bond servants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, Fearing the Lord, whatever you do. So let's pause there, actually. So he breaks this down. Remember, lofty verse 1 through, through 16. It's like, think heavenly thoughts, put off it's all this imagery, and now he's like, do it. Yeah. Wives, submit. Bond servants, obey. Children, obey. He's showing you what it means to get into the heavenly realm of thinking. See, getting into the heavenly, thinking like God thinks, thinking the way the scriptures teach us, comes in two parts, two sides of the same coin, in which he says, think these thoughts, but the only way that you'll truly think the way of God is if you obey the way of God. You don't come into full maturity until you obey the scriptures. You can know the scriptures, you can argue the scriptures, you can read the scriptures, but until we obey the scriptures, we are infants. We are babies. 
drinking spiritual milk. And God is calling you higher. And he's not waiting for you to get a degree. He's not waiting for you to clean yourself up. He's, he's waiting for you to take one step of obedience. Because one step after another leads to maturity. Some of us are waiting to take leaps of faith. And God is asking us to take steps of faith. Of obedience. To him. This is helping you. Just give, give me a little amen, Pastor Jake. Amen. amen, Pastor Jake. Okay. If this is a little surgery for you, praise God. We love surgery, you know, cutting to the heart. So he's saying bond servants, wives, husbands, children, parents. We're going to verse 23. Whatever you do. Oh, man, he's at it again, Paul. Paul is at it again. He is at it again. Whatever. Everything. You ain't no excuses with Paul. Paul, you know, some, me, sometimes I'm like, you know what? It's okay. Like, you're on a journey. Paul's like everything. <laughs> like, I, like, y'all, Paul said it. He's like, in your letters, you're harsh. When, you, when, you, when he comes to you in person, he's a little bit, he's unintimidating. But when he's writing, he is just like, no excuses. Everything. <laughs> that music? Where's that coming from? <laughs> Sorry, it distracted me. Verse 23. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. Whatever you do, are you a nurse? Whatever you do, do you work at a tire shop? Whatever you do, do you work in an ice cream shop? Whatever you do, are you an accountant? Whatever you do, are you a social media manager? Whatever you do, whatever you do, whatever you do, work heartily to God. Yep. Your boss is not your boss. The scriptures teach us that your boss is God. <laughs> now you have an earthly boss, but your real boss is God himself. Knowing, this is important, that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. It's not that just you're working for him. You are serving him in your job. You are serving Jesus when you are at your job. No matter what you do. You are a representative. Remember he wanted to destroy the boxes? He didn't want you to have to come to the temple, come to the church in order to encounter his presence. One of the reasons he did that is so his kingdom can expand. Some people at your job will never come to a church, but luckily he has a temple that's mobile. He has a mobile temple, and it's called your body. And he's saying, I want to take that mobile temple, put it all across Grand Rapids, Holland, and all the, all the other areas so that my presence can go with. And you, you can preach, but even more importantly, or just as importantly, you might work unto the Lord. And you work, and your life is a message, and you couple that with your message. And you are separate. We'll get to that in a minute. You are serving God, for the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. This is important, the last verse. Most people do not work hard and with a good mentality because they are afraid of being taken advantage of. My boss cut corners. My boss got there because of this. My boss is a jerk. That's why he got the job. Oh, all the wrong people always get promoted in this company. We make all these excuses, and God comes, with, Paul comes with this pastoral comfort that looks to the hope of the future and says, you are not the vindicator. 
You do not control things. God will deal with the unjust. He is not a God who doesn't care. He's a God who makes all things right in his time. And he knows that if you got what you wanted, this life would be a mess. And if you gave people what they deserved, what if we reversed that logic? And what if you got what you deserved? See, God is the justifier of all wrongs. If you are taken advantage of, I'm not telling you, well, in the discussion questions, there's a question. How do you know when is the right time to leave an abusive work environment or a toxic work environment? There are times for that. What I'm referencing in this message is our mentality and our heart and our attitude. There are times to leave workspaces, but never at the expense of our attitude and our heart and our witness to Christ. Amen? Amen. So, this is imperative. We're thinking about work. We're working unto the Lord. We're working unto God, uh, one to our calling. God gave us the vocation of work in order that we might represent the kingdom of God in every space. So, this is imperative. We do not perform well as Christians in our jobs working unto the Lord in order to say, I am valuable. Your boss may not think you're valuable. Because maybe your performance doesn't fit well with the company right now. I don't know what your, what your situation is. But even if you're crushing it, your performance does not mean that you're valuable. The best place to be is to root our identity in Christ and say, I am valuable, therefore I will go to serve whatever workspace I'm in. Therefore, I will perform well. Don't base our identity on our work, on our income, or our status, or our job title. Our identity comes from God. And as we work unto the Lord, it's imperative that we work as sons and not slaves. It's imperative that we work as children, not bondservants to Christ. But that we work as his children. Amen? So I'm not defined by my work. I am defined by the love of Jesus. So I want to I share five things as we close out in the next, let's say, 11 minutes. I want to share uh, five things about working unto the Lord, okay, from Colossians 3. Five things. Everyone say five things. Five things. So you may not remember all of them. Choose one to remember and bring it home with you and, and obey it. This is not a message where I want you to learn something. This is a message where I want you to obey something, okay? Obey it. Not me, the scriptures. So working unto the Lord is about working under authority. John 19, 10 through 11, Jesus is having a conversation with Pilate about authority. John 19, 10 through 11, and this is what it says. So Pilate said to him, you will not speak to me? So this is uh, the context of Jesus being arrested. He's just about to be crucified, and he goes and meets with Pilate, who is the Roman governor over the area that Jesus was in. And so there's all this conflict around Jesus and his ministry, and the Jewish leaders are bringing him to be, to be put to death, and he excuse me, and they um, take him to Pilate, who's the governor. He says this. So Pilate said to him, you will not answer me nor speak to me? Do you not know that I have authority to release you and authority to crucify you? Jesus answered him, you would have no authority over me at all unless it had been given you from above. Therefore, he, or therefore, he who delivered me over to you has the greater sin. Jesus shows us and gives us a, a, a snapshot into the reality of, of God in the heavenly spaces that we can't see, that every position of authority has been given to man by God. 
Now, it doesn't mean that God condones and supports every decision that a person of authority makes, but authority in of itself is instituted by God. And the church and Christians, are our learning maturity is learning how to be under the authority of God while we're under the authority of man. We live in a country. We must obey the authority of our country. We have governors. We have to obey the authority of our governors. We have police officers who have authority. We have teachers who have authority, bosses who have authority. There's all these authority structures that we live in, and God is teaching us to learn how to live under the authority of him first, and then how that translates to living under the authority of man. You see, the Jewish people thought that the authority structure was going to flip and that the Christians would be in charge of everything. And what God showed through the suffering servant Jesus is that we don't make change by gaining power. We make change by serving with a good heart. Does that make sense? Your flesh, remember we talked about the flesh, think about things above, put off the old self. Your old self will say, I need to be the boss. And then things would be better. Don't be so confident, friends. What the Spirit says, what the Scriptures teach us, uh, teaches us is that we should serve our evil boss knowing that we really work for God. And then in doing so, we might show the world a type of that suffering servant Jesus who did not come to condemn the world but to save the world through his life. And he did not come, he did not come to seize power but to serve those who were corrupt not by serving them, but by showing them the love of the Father that God had in Christ. Does this make sense? And so our job isn't to usurp authority, talk bad about authority, criticize authority. Our job is not to do any of those things. Our job is to honor authority, knowing that we honor them, we honor God. Okay? So one of the, one of the ways that we work unto the Lord is by working under authority appropriately. Now, you'll talk about it in your community groups. I'm not going to preach on it because I don't have time. But there are times where you have abusive authority that is the right thing to say something. It is the right thing to speak up. And it is the right thing to leave. But never at the expense of unforgiveness, bitterness, or hatred. Okay? These are the types of boundaries and, and conversations we need to have. And you'll have those in your community groups. Second thing is we, um, sorry, it's working with integrity. So the first way we work under the Lord is by author under authority, and now it's with integrity. We represent God when we work. So when we work, we are sending, especially because if you're in a, in a secular workplace, it's most likely that you're around a lot of unbelieving people. And so our work is a message about who God is. The world is looking at us, and I would charge us that Christians need to be, are called to be, by God himself, the hardest working, most integrous people in any workforce. Hardest working. Because we are not working unto man, we are working unto God, knowing that we have an eternal reward based on our work that we do for man. Here's a statement. You should be the one who makes your boss look the best. I don't like my boss. It don't matter. Make your boss look as best as possible. Some of you are like, I ain't doing that. Check yourself. You say, I don't know how to do that. Remember what I said? You obey one thing that from tonight. You don't have to do it all in one night. Take one thing. 
Apply it. Next thing, apply it. Don't do it all at once, one at a time. Work on how you work. Amen? Amen. Third thing, the question, do we have joy? Do we have the joy of the Lord? Do we have the joy of the Lord? Work with a good attitude. (laughs) I'm going to preach to myself for a second, okay? Jake, work with a good attitude every day. Every day. It's a privilege to work. I can walk, I can drive, I can support my family. God, it is a joy to work. So much, so many times we get sucked in. I was talking to Kimmy before service. We get sucked into the vortex of negativity. And we don't, we don't intend to be pessimistic, negative, and complainers. But because of our culture, we actually are, we, we're not culture setters. We blend in. We don't intend to be complainers, but we become that way. And I'm not here to wag my finger at you, but I'm saying working unto the Lord means working with a good attitude. It means working with joy. Some of you are like, well, you want me to fake it? Yes. (laughs) But I need to be authentic. Listen, don't be authentic to your old self. Too many people are authentic with that old man. They relate too much with that old man. They think that old man is them. They think that old person is the thing that they are. Listen, friends, the only way to get out of that is to start looking at that man, Jesus, and realize authenticity is Jesus. You want the real you? The real you is hidden in Christ. In Christ. It's in Colossians 3. (laughs) Your life is hidden with Christ. (sighs) Friends, Adam failed you. Stop relating to him. Let's, let's, Let's raise the bar, and let's pursue joy in our work. Not for promotion, not so it can be noticed by men that we might do it unto the Lord. Right. Let me ask you this. Have you ever like, gone to the grocery store and had like, a worker that was like super, super um, negative? And you look at them and you go, you do not want to be here right now. Have you ever had it done like that? You've been in a grocery store? Have you ever been in a grocery store where you had the friendliest person ever? How did that make you feel? Amazing. They're taking dominion. They're taking authority. They're saying, I'm not letting this workspace. They're in a grocery store. I'm not, even let, I'm not letting this workspace define me. I'm defining this workspace. And that is the job of a Christian. And that even though the darkness is expanding, the light shines in the darkness. And the darkness can't overcome it. You will make your coworkers so angry. They'll be like, I can't stand work with you. You are too positive. <laughs> and you're going to be like, you'll, don't worry, you'll join me sooner or later. Come to the, <laughs> come to the dark side. <laughs> working unto the Lord is working with a good attitude. Fourth, I'm sorry, I'm going to actually read this. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that your reward, you will receive an inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Jesus Christ. One of the most motivating factors for joy is getting out of the moment and looking ahead. So if you want joy in your work, you have to get out of this space of constant 
um, stimuli where you're like looking at Facebook, looking at Instagram, looking at YouTube, looking at TikTok. You're, you're not looking ahead and you need to look ahead to your eternal reward and you need to think before you go into work, you need to think someday God will reward me for what I'm doing today. How good is that day going to be when he looks back on this day and said, you see the way that you served that lady? You see the way that you served your boss? You see the way that you honored your, honored your authority? He will reward you, and so you get your reward in front of you, and it motivates joy within you. It's called hope. And we need more Christians with hope. Fourthly, i got to get rolling. Are we a peacemaker? Working unto the Lord is about working in harmony with others. Whew. Let's push some buttons. You guys ready? Matthew 5, 9 says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Peace takes two people. Forgiveness takes one. If you want to have peace or reconciliation... Both people need to have, bring something to the table, right? Forgiveness only takes one. Forgiveness is the first step to peace. There are some in here who are holding things against coworkers while God is calling us to be peacemakers, bridge builders, community gatherers, faith builders, hope givers. We are meant to bring peace. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. And so God is calling us in our workspaces to bring people together, not to separate people. To bring harmony between boss and employees. To bring harmony to ownership and employees. To bring harmony to coworkers. Your job as a Christian is a peacemaker. You might not have it in your job description to bring peace to your workplace, but in God's job description for your life, it is peacemaker. Well, Jake, I'm not good with people. You are a peacemaker. Pray. 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 Don't just be a peacemaker. Pray like a peacemaker. Your work and reward is in heaven, friends. I feel like this is hitting this group so well in the sense that you're taking this to heart. Remember, I don't want you to obey all five right away. I want you to obey one. Just take one home with you tonight. And then God will bring to remembrance others. Take one home with you tonight. Lastly, this is for some in the room. I know it specifically. And in my preparation, it was hitting me so hard. Working unto the Lord is about working with God. Listen, friends. Holy Spirit is with you in your work. Creative solutions. Ideas for growth. Ideas for profit. Ideas for solving problems. You see, we tend to think that Holy Spirit is all about like the rally night. The Holy Spirit is all about the inner life, and it is about that. But the Holy Spirit, the first time the Holy Spirit ever came upon someone was to draw up the artistic plans for the temple. An artist was the first one to ever be baptized or empowered or the Spirit of God to rest upon them. It was for work. And so us, we think that Holy Spirit's all about here and in our prayer closet, God's saying, I want to give you solutions for your job, but you have to invite me and do it with me. Listen, there are solutions right now that God has for some of you to bring peace, to bring profit, and to bring the kingdom of God into the midst.
not for your glory or your promotion, but to serve your company, to serve the people you work with, and to bring glory to God. You receiving this? Some of you, it is right there. It is right there. God is waiting for you to invite him into your work that you might be more productive, more efficient, more effective. Invite him in. Work with God. These are for his friends. Because Jesus changes everything. He just doesn't change your wardrobe. He just doesn't change where you're at on a Thursday night. He changes everything. He demands a change in every area of life. You are a new creation in Christ. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You are a new person, and therefore we should behave differently when we work. And I'm calling us to a higher standard of living before an audience of one when we work. Let's pray, and let's close this thing out. Would you guys bow your heads and close your eyes? God, you are so good. Holy Spirit, I just ask that you just, you just hit our hearts, God, that we might take one thing away tonight, that we might take one thing and obey it. God, that we might rethink our work. God, for those that are feeling condemned right now, I pray the peace of God would come over them, the comfort of God, and they would realize that they do not have to do this on their own. But God, you will walk with them like a good shepherd. God, day by day, to turn them into the person that you see them as and that they're called to be. If you're here today and you are not right with God, I'm going to ask if you would like to be. Being made right with God or being forgiven is not about you changing your life. It is about you coming to your wit's end. That you cannot live another day without the forgiveness and the love of God. And it is only by the work of Jesus that you can be forgiven and saved. So if you are far from God and you desire and you feel God drawing you to be close to him tonight, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand on the count of three. You raising your hand isn't a special sign. It is a symbol of what God is doing on the inside. And then we are going to say a prayer. When we say this prayer, you are going to be right with God. You are going to be forgiven. You are going to be made new by the spirit of God and by the love of Jesus, not by your works, all by his love for you. If you want that tonight, on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to raise your hands. No one's looking around. One, two, three. I want to pray with you. I see that hand. Anyone else? I see that hand. I see that hand. I want to pray with you. You can put your hands down. Anyone else? Would everyone just uh, repeat this prayer after me? Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me when I did not deserve it. Thank you for sending Jesus to earth to live a perfect life, to die on the cross for my sin and to raise back to life so that, I could be, be, so that I could become a part of God's family. God, would you help me? And those of you that prayed this, I want you to be, I want you to be very sincere and say this last part straight to God, not to me. Say, if you raise your hand, say this to God. Say, I want to be close to you. Just mean that. Listen, friends, if you raise your hand, if you said... If you keep saying that to God, your life will change. I want to be close to you. It's not a secret formula. It's not you cleaning your life up. 
It is about you being broken and saying, God, I want to be close to you. Just keep saying that over and over again in the coming days. God will show himself faithful to you.